Please pause for an important directive from Dr. Morgenstern, Chief of Surgery at County General Hospital. This episode contains heavy themes and serious content. Listener discretion is advised. All stories shared in this podcast have been altered to protect the identity of our patients and colleagues. Any perceived medical advice from the show should not be used for real-life medical concerns. Always consult your personal physician before proceeding with any new practice or treatment. This podcast will include spoilers for the episodes we are discussing, but there will not be any future episode spoilers. Thank you. ER Debrief Podcast, where two emergency room nurses discuss the hit 90s TV show ER. We are your hosts, Melissa and Julie, and today we will be discussing episode 22 of season two. Hey, Julie. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Summer is in full swing here. It's like 30 degrees today. It is beautiful outside. (laughs) Not nice. raining. It's great. Oh wow! That's I a know. New one. Well, <laughs> we're supposed to have thunder showers tomorrow. Uh, I'm crossing my fingers that that won't happen, but not guaranteed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair How's enough. it going over there? Uh, it has also been very hot. Um, I think today is a little bit better. Mm. Maybe it's gonna rain. I haven't really checked out the weather. Um, but, uh, it has been like pushing 40 degrees, uh, the last few weeks, which is just, I mean, it goes through cycles where like we get that hail storm, like we were talking about last week yeah, and, um, like you get these thunderstorms where it cools off for like a day, but then it's right back up there. It's, it's been, uh, a bit testing i think think people are losing their minds in all this heat yeah (laughs) it's so strange like the extreme weather that's been happening you know like floods in germany and heat waves in north america like it's just i don't know if it's fires the fires is it global warming i'm not actually sure like what to attribute to just weather and what to attribute to global warming i don't know yeah i mean i feel like it's gotta be global warming to a certain extent like this is insane temperatures right like um but but yeah i don't know either like what degree of it is global warming and what it is just like crazy weather but doesn't it feel kind of like the apocalypse like yeah i was watching the news the other day and i was just like you know a lot of bad shit's happening yeah yes i was like 100 pandemic crazy temperatures there's like insane fires throughout california and bc yeah um and also just now the situation in cuba is really um it is really terrible and the situation in Israel slash Palestine, like politically the past two years have been nuts. And I'm not saying that they weren't before. And obviously the stuff has been boiling for a long time. Um, but like, yeah, what all you're saying with the weather and then politically all this stuff that's happening, it's like, is this, this is the end. I know it's so <laughs> scary. We could go on, couldn't we? 
Yeah, on and on about it. <laughs> well, let's talk about this episode. But, this episode is titled John Carter, MD. It was written by John Wells and directed by Christopher Chuluk. It aired on May 16th, 1996. Ooh. A brief synopsis of the episode. Carter decides to skip his graduations to stay with a girl that has liver disease. Carol, angered when politics triumph over good health care, quits in disgust and then later breaks up with Shep as she feels he needs to get help after the death of his partner. Jeannie informs Benton that Al has AIDS and tells him to get tested for HIV and Susan refuses the chief residency post. Spoiler alerts. (laughs) Yeah, it was a big episode. It was a big episode. Yeah, I think that throughout this, we're not going to talk a lot about the patients that came in because there's just so much like content from the storyline, so... Yeah. So yeah, I cut out a lot of the patients. So if anyone was looking for that, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we open um, to a song. Everyone is kind of dancing in the department to a song. And I had to look it up because it was very groovy. Uh, So the song is called If You Want Me to Stay. It's by Sly and the Family Stone. Um, and then I started looking at this band a little bit and yeah, uh, kind of an interesting band. They're from San Francisco. Um, they're an American rock funk kind of soul band. And they were the first major American rock band to have an integrated and multi-general like lineup. So the members of the band were um, male, female, black, white, integrated. So mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. That is really cool. So anyway, it's now on one of my Apple playlists. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to add the song. It's very yes, fun. You gotta. <laughs> I liked it. Of course, the staff is having fun. Carrie comes swooping in to end that promptly um, and tells Jerry to turn the music off. And then Carrie and Mark are discussing her becoming an attending. And Mark basically strikes a bargain with her. And he says that he'll agree to support her for the attending position if she supports Susan for chief resident. And I was just kind of like, well, that's an interesting way to get promoted. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Uh, This whole thing really frustrated me with her. Yeah. It just seemed like kind of crazy and then fruitless in the end. So I just was like, all right. So Weaver does agree to this deal, and then we go to a staff meeting with uh, Morgan Stern, and he's saying goodbye to this attending. His name is Marty, and I guess he's moving to Iowa. But, like, interesting that we literally never saw this guy before. Like, so this is just, like, this attending position in the emergency department who apparently was there the whole time is moving. But we've never seen him. (laughs) <laughs> We've never seen him before, but like, here we go. He's going to make an appearance. Sure. And then they do decide because the only person who was kind of holding out on um, having Carrie replace this Marty uh, doctor um, yeah. was Mark. Mark was kind of hesitant to do it. But now that he's made this deal with Carrie, he gives his blessing and she is now hired into that position. So then Carol has asked Shep to see a psychiatrist um, and he is very acting very erratic very frustrated and he says that he isn't going to go to the appointment and that he's he'll just reschedule it and she's like you're not gonna reschedule it like 
you're clearly don't want to go, but you need to. And he's like, I'm fine. Like, I don't need to see anybody. I'm doing fine. And so she says like that she's worried about how erratic he's being. And she's like, I, I'm scared to get in the car with you because if someone cuts you off, you might like attack them. So yeah, she's just like, if you don't get help, if you don't see somebody, then something horrible is going to happen. And he just kind of gets in the car and just drives away. He's dealing with things real well. <laughs> Something's going to, like, maybe, I don't know, it won't happen in this season, obviously. But I think in the next season, he's going, something really terrible is going to happen. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. If he keeps going down this path, it's not good. No. And then we have paramedics bring in a newborn i guess they were sent home from the hospital 12 hours ago and they basically were sent home like the day after this baby was born and they bring in this child who's not breathing and carol is furious that they would send a mother and their baby home so soon after delivery Mm. which i thought was kind of interesting because like we do that all the time now like yeah we do it all the time to be sent home the next day is like not an issue i'm sure at this time they were keeping kids like maybe a week or at least a few days but yeah (laughs) this happens all the time now so yes um truly (laughs) anyway have we fallen have we gotten better who's to say yeah yeah, i know exactly exactly yeah i'm not sure which side of this is better but yeah i can't imagine admitting someone for a week after they gave birth like it's absurd uh so anyway yeah uh, so yeah i had a hard time understanding carol's indignation in this because i was like well that's just the way the future carol <laughs> like, it's coming <laughs> sorry yeah you don't know what's coming on but <laughs> you won't like it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, so doug comes to examine the newborn whose name is joseph and um, quickly diagnoses him with a heart condition Um, And Carol is mad that this wasn't caught um, before he was discharged. Weaver ends up kind of telling her, like, you know, it's all about money at the end of the day. Like, the more they spend on a healthy postpartum mother is less money they have to spend on other patients, which is true. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's very expensive to stay in hospital. Uh, So... Yeah, I was weirdly on Weaver's kind of side this time because I was like, you know, you can't catch everything. You can't be perfect. Yeah. But I mean, probably if Doug could just hear the heart condition with a stethoscope, I feel like maybe they could have caught this. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, (laughs) we know how the OB system at this hospital is. So it's not great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They've made their fair yeah, share of sure mistakes. Have. Oh God! Um, and then we see Jeannie, and she is trying to ask uh, Chuni to draw her blood work uh, for her HIV test. And I guess she's been putting this test off because that was uh, my initial thought: like, why haven't you already done this? Like the yeah. day that Al came in and you found out, I would have been like, take my blood. Yeah, yeah, like it, and also like tell Peter. I just feel like, yeah. Yes, right, right away. away. Like days, if not weeks uh, later, uh, right? So I guess so that it's weird. hard and that it's an awkward conversation. Yeah. Uh, like it's a hard conversation to have, but a necessary one. 
a very necessary conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because Al comes to the hospital, and this is how we kind of know that there's some time has passed, um, because he's been admitted and discharged now, and he'd just been to his follow-up appointment, so who knows how long it's been. Um, and he stops by to ask Jeannie some questions, some medical questions. Um, she gives him a little bit of encouragement, uh, and then he can makes a really bad joke. Uh, where he's like the doctor gave me like a few packages of condoms and he's like well I guess the horse is kind of out of the barn on that one and like I mean I get that he's trying to like make light of his very serious situation but like not yeah like not a good time time, for a joke really not read the room that's all we ask exactly yeah, she's waiting for her results. Like, this is just so not the time to be yeah. laughing about the fact that you have AIDS. Poor time. Uh, anyway. Poor time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it kind of, like, goes with, you know, times are tough. People resort to humor. So I guess he could have said that. But it's like, you know, just wait a little bit. Wait till things have settled and it's not new and Jeannie's still wondering if she has it or... Yeah. We're still wondering if Benton has it. Like maybe once everyone's fine, then just then you can make the jokes. Totally, totally. Bit early. Yeah, it's a too little soon. early. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Jeannie does end up telling Benton. So she kind of mm-hmm. um, runs into him in the break room, and I think just maybe before she can like chicken out, she just like closes the door and just blurts yeah. out, "Al has AIDS." Oh, okay. I was like, ah, okay. No, yeah. hello, or oh, god. Uh, I mean, it is, uh, yeah. Uh, and then Connie kind of walks in on them just after she says that, and for a yeah. coffee. And Jeannie's like, yeah. "Can you just give us a minute? Like, we'll I'll bring you a coffee later." Yeah, super awkward. Jeannie does handle it fairly well. Like she, after that moment, she just says like, I know where you're, what you're thinking. Like you want to try to support me right now, but you're worried about yourself. She's like, I was there like a couple of days ago. Oh okay, yeah, she well, does say a couple then. of days ago there. So maybe it has only been a couple of days. Anyway, uh, Benton doesn't really say anything. I don't think, not that I recall. And they just kind of. Mm-hmm. A little anticlimactic. I can't remember what the end of that scene was like. Did he just walk out? We see him standing there looking after her and we don't... And they just cut to another Yeah, we scene. don't see much. Hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like... All right. <laughs> so it's cool. just That's doing it. there. I'm sure we'll hear more <laughs> totally. about it. Yes, I'm sure in coming seasons. Yeah. Uh, and so then Carter has this patient from last episode her name is tc and she is the one with liver failure and he's just going to check on her just to kind of follow up and that pediatrician that really doesn't like doug um davich davich oh yeah yes yeah so this this pediatrician davich it has moved her to the icu and is now taking care of her and she's not doing very well. Um, her condition is deteriorating. And so now she's been put 
um, at the top of the transplant list. So if there is a liver available, she'll be the first in line for it now. Carter ends up going with uh, Dr. Davich to talk to the parents because Carter knows the parents and he ends up spending a bunch of time with them uh, just talking to them about the transplant and what's going to happen and um and yeah. yeah and then later in the episode carter goes um just to check on her again and her parents have gone to get food and like this is old carter and i really like yeah. it like this is the carter mm-hmm. i remember right he was so sweet with her and he stayed, he was, it was his graduation day, so he was supposed to go to his graduation, but he, instead he ended up staying and playing cards with her um, while her parents yeah. were gone. It was, it was just really sweet. It, it was a really so sweet, sweet moment. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, so maybe Carter is coming Me around too. again. I like it. Doug asks Mark about Weaver being the new attending. He's like, I've heard this really <laughs> awful rumor. Um, and Mark has to defend his choice in Carrie. Um, and most of the staff is really unhappy. Like they had like a little powwow at the main desk about it. And they're just like, this is going to be the longest year of our lives. And, um, yeah, people generally right, are yeah. really I mean, unhappy like, listen, with it. I so. think uh, Weaver, I think, I think that eventually people will start to come around to her. I think she makes a really terrible first impression but I think that once people start to realize that I think she really does care and wants to make things better. And I think she will make things better. I think she'll be more well-liked. I do. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, even like, cause I haven't, I mean, most of the physicians that they end up hiring on, I yeah. don't mind, like are, are really like, but there have been like a few that you're like, Oh, yeah. This is going to be painful. But they do. Like, eventually they settle down or they, like, get yeah. get more comfortable in the role. And um, they do do a lot better. So hopefully that's the, yeah, I think the so. outcome for Carrie, I too. I hope so. That's what yeah. I'm hoping. Um, and then there's this kind of, like, little side story. But I found it really interesting. Um, so Mark comes up to Doug to tell him that he got a call from the pharmacy about Doug writing a uh, prescription for a hundred Percocets for Karen, his girlfriend, after she hurt her knee. Yeah. And Doug confirms that it's a correct prescription because I think he just doesn't want to get Karen in trouble um, and just says that she travels a lot. She doesn't have an opportunity to be getting refills. So I wrote her a bigger prescription. Um, but in fact, he did only write the prescription for 10 and it seems like she must have added an extra zero to make it a hundred. And yeah, (laughs) he ends up confronting her about it. Um, and she sticks to her story and says like, she didn't really understand why there was a hundred either and that it was really expensive and she did that she didn't change the prescription at all but any narcotic prescription comes in a triplicate on a triplicate pad so it's carbon copies there's three copies and so if someone were to change the prescription after the it's been handed to them then they the doctor can look back on their other right. copies to be like yes. no 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 i only prescribed this many like this was not my error 
Um, this was the patient changed it. So it's pretty clear that Karen changed it. They never like officially say, but it's pretty clear that she changed it to a hundred. And it's, it's pretty bold. I think that's a really bold thing to do. Like, yeah, especially a physician that you're dating. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what did she think? I mean, here's the thing is that, okay. If she is addicted and that's like what's happening, then, I mean, I guess it is bold, but it also makes sense because you do things that maybe don't seem very logical to potentially get your fix kind of thing. So maybe that's what's happening, but it doesn't seem very smart. Or maybe she just didn't realize that they're tracked like that. Right. And she was like, oh, I just like I changed it, but I didn't think that that was going to be a big deal. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's not great. I, it puts Doug in a real awkward position too, because he either has to report her or he just has to go along with it. Um, mm-hmm. which it seems like he's just going along with it. Yeah. But I find it really interesting because I just watched, I don't know if you've watched this, The Crime of the Century on HBO. Uh, no, but I listen to Crimes of the Century on podcasts like of these oh. i don't know if it's the same thing but it's like where they talk about about the opioid crisis so no this it, it's about um it's crimes of the century it's just about like crimes that were really big at the time and it could be in the 1800s or whatever but oh it might I be see. a bit of a different it might be the same name different kind of concept but different things yeah, yeah so, i think it is yeah so yeah this one on hbo it's a two-part um kind of documentary about the opioid crisis it's so good so if you have an opportunity to watch it you should okay i I think you would find it so interesting i've like re-watched it now because there's so much information in it that it's hard to take in all in one Mm -hmm. at one go Mm -hmm. but oh man it's so interesting and my like one of the biggest takeaways is because it talks about like how opioids started yeah and like what happened with the companies and then the things that you expect like that they were basic like the pharmaceutical companies were responsible for the opioid crisis right like they were pushing them these are drugs that were only supposed to be end love life kind of medications that we're now giving out for like a sprained ankle right. or back pain or whatever right so it was totally pushed upon us but there's a lot of things that i had no idea about one of them was like the most directly affecting nursing was this yes. one that Purdue was the first company, like pharmaceutical company, that started creating MS Cotton was the first one. So like a long acting morphine, right? And then it just kind of snowballed from there because they realized how much money they could be making on MS Cotton. Anyway, so Purdue, in order to get doctors, because doctors didn't want to be prescribing so much pain medication at the beginning of this, they thought it was dangerous, which... It clearly is. Yeah. Um, in order to change that mentality, they started doing like education on pain. So they changed the way we think about pain. And this is honestly what they determined, like they yeah. discovered and created in their education to doctors is exactly what we learn in nursing school. Like, oh, no. So scary. So like pain is the fifth vital sign. Purdue came up with that. 
Oh, no. Yeah. The pain scale that we use every freaking day, Purdue came oh, up with that. The fact that, because then, then this blew my mind, because I was talking to another nurse about this, and I was like, I have to completely rethink the way I analyze yeah. pain, because... Everything we've been taught about pain is a pharmaceutical company's narrative to sell more drugs. Oh, no. Right? (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, my mind is blown. Um, And then I was talking to another nurse about this, and she was like, well, pain is like a main factor in what your CTAS score is. Yeah. Which also would be like, it's how fast you see a doctor. It's how much pain your management you're going to be getting. Like, yes, pain is included as a vital sign now. But that was developed by a pharmaceutical company. So, (laughs) so I am just like. It makes you rethink everything, doesn't it? Yeah. I was like, I don't know how to analyze pain at this point. Like, uh, pain is what the patient says it is. These are all things that we have been learning in nursing school and since. Yeah, which is all created that was developed by, by a pharmaceutical company. I just, yeah, oh I was blown away. Oh no! So, anyway, you sh- anyone listening, you should watch this. It's so good. It's so eye opening. But yeah, it just uh, this situation in with Doug just reminded me. I was like, oh my god. Oh so many problems. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. But and this would have been like aired right at the peak of like when pain medication was really starting to get abused badly. So. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Anyway, mm. it's crazy. Highly worth a watch though because it was good. Yes. I will watch that. I will. Crimes of the century. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta watch it. It's good. All right. So then Morgan Stern tells Carter uh, that there's one spot left in this kind of plastic surgery kind of residency. They call it the red team. Um, And that's the higher level, I guess, team. And um, and Carter's really excited that he got on this team, but he's no longer going to be working under Dr. Benton, which he's a little bit disappointed about. Mm. He does miss his graduation in the end. And Dr. Borgenstern is the one that's handing out the diplomas, which I thought was kind of funny. And um, I'm going to insert a clip here of what Morgenstern says, because he calls Carter's name and he doesn't come up to the stage. Dr. John Truman Carter. Dr. Carter. Well, I think Dr. Carter must have found a facial laceration to practice a Z-plasty on. (laughs) Dr. Ming Wu Chang. And then, so, but he's actually, he's not suturing someone's face. He's actually just playing cards with uh, TC. Still at the hospital. So, yeah, that was kind of nice. Yeah. And then Carter then finds Benton sitting on the floor of the trauma room. And I was just immediately like, oh, my God, never sit on the floor. Of yeah, the never. Uh, very bad plan. Not Benton. good. But clearly he's thinking about his pending potential HIV kind of diagnosis. And then Carter kind of walks in and 
tells him that he missed his graduation and he missed the party that his parents were having afterwards. Um, and they just have a really nice little conversation that I'll insert here. You okay, Dr. Mann? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Have you seen Dr. Morgan's turn? He left a message for me saying he wanted to talk to me. He started a ruptured appendix about a half hour ago. I'll catch up to him tomorrow. Hey, how was your cocktail party? I missed it. You missed your own party? Yeah. My parents had a good time anyway. It was mostly their friends. I missed my graduation, too. Oh, really? Yeah. You missed yours, right? What were you doing? An emergency hemorrhoidectomy. What were you doing? I was playing cards with a scared little kid. TC, that little girl with liver failure. They moved her up to status one. I was just keeping her company while her folks talked to the doctor. <laughs> now you're the doctor. You graduated, right? Yeah, that's right, I am. It's kind of weird. I, uh, I don't know any more than I knew this morning. I really wanted to graduate, too. conversation sweet one yeah absolutely and um and so then after that conversation carter ends up going back to morgan stern and saying that he wants to work under dr benton on the blue team which is the other surgical team um that's more general surgery and emerge so yeah so he just it just i like i like the relationship now between peter and carter they're just really sweet. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think they're going to be good friends. I think so like, too. Think, yeah. Yeah. And there's always going to be a little bit of like a, like obviously Peter is always going to be sort of a mentor figure to Carter, but I think they'll have a good relationship going forward. You know? I think so too. Yeah. I think that they, they have like a really good respect for each other, which I think yeah. is really cool. Yeah. And then Benton does, just at the end of that conversation, he said that Carter's now, like, a doctor, officially. Mm -hmm. And Carter just is like, you know, I don't know anything more than I did this morning. So, like, it's super weird that now, all of a sudden, I'm a doctor. Which yeah. I totally get that feeling. So Because I remember, like, when you kind of passed your test for nursing... And you suddenly got this, like, thing in the mail that said, like, you're now a nurse, right? Like, you officially passed it yeah i'm like i literally don't feel any different than i did a few months ago yeah, but <laughs> like, i know absolutely nothing more yeah uh, yeah yeah but now i'm on my own uh, <laughs> yeah kind of crazy. crazy um and then there's another storyline there's so many storylines in this episode yeah. mark and jen meet at doc magoo's uh, where she announces that she and her boyfriend craig 
uh, are getting married. I just wonder, like, do you think Craig knows that Mark and Jen slept together? Like, uh, probably not. I mean... Yeah, I think he doesn't yeah, either. Yeah, he, he probably yeah. doesn't. But I mean, like... I mean, I'm kind of over Jen yeah. in general. I just think she's kind of a crappy yeah, person. Yeah, I mean, now. like, you know what? I, like, this goes back to what we were saying before how, like, I feel like I have no opinion anymore because everything is so nuanced and complicated. I don't have any opinion about her. I'm just like, I'm kind of <laughs> over the storyline. I'm like, Kate, now Mark and Susan just need to be together. Like, move along, Jen. Go ahead. Go marry whoever. You know, like, I was sort of like, whatever. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like was when she was like, she said something bad about the French fries. Like, oh, this place should be closed down because of health stuff. And it's like, whatever, Jen. <laughs> yeah, my only criticism really of Jen in that moment, because, I mean, whatever, people make weird choices and strange things happen in relationships. But... Uh, when she criticized the French fries that she wouldn't eat the food. She ordered food, but then she was like, this place should be closed down because it's dirty. And I was like, then why did you order a plate of food, Jen? Sit down and have a coffee. Stop criticizing. Totally. I agree totally. with that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. totally Moving agree. on, Jen. We're moving on from you. Yeah. She just seems like pretentious and annoying. And just, yeah. <laughs> Done. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm glad she's gone. So then we learn that Susan hasn't actually been named chief resident after all, and somebody else was named it. And Mark finds out and confronts Weaver. He is pissed. And she said, we offered this job to Susan and she declined it. So it's not my fault. And I was just like, I oh know. my God, Susan, why didn't you tell Mark this already? Like, ah, uh. now he's stuck with her as, yeah, as yeah. attending when he didn't have but to have you know what? He made, he oh. made the choice. Anyway. He didn't have to do it. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. And I mean, she does tell him in the end the reason. And she just says that she is just starting to realize that like life is short mm-hmm. and all she has in her life now that Susie is gone is work and that's just not enough for her. So, I mean, it makes yeah. sense what she's doing. Like she's kind of prioritizing her life a little bit over her work, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, she definitely could have told him this. Yeah. Like a few days ago rather than too late. But anyway, <laughs> Um, and then we have a um, young patient named Monique. She comes in. Uh, she's fractured her ankle. She needs um, ankle surgery done. Uh, her insurance company doesn't want her to have it done at that hospital. They want her moved to another hospital and um, and then have the procedure there. And Carol, at this point, like after the infant um, mm-hmm. issue with the, like, basically budget cuts that meant that that infant had to go home early um and then this situation she's just done just like sick of the money be like running yeah and she just tells mark that she quits and i was like whoa yeah um that's a bold move that is real like she just quits and leaves Ooh, (laughs) yeah uh it is bold because yeah. like, I don't think you can actually do that as a nurse like because it would be considered abandonment, right? And they could 
they could take you yeah. to like they could go yeah. to your governing body and try to pull your license for that, I think. You can't just walk out on patients. Um but anyway, she does it. Um she basically just goes straight to the lounge, she clears out her locker. Um and She's kind of like listing off all of the horrible things that she had to deal with that day. And Mark tries to convince her that like this, you know, we do a lot of good as well. We treat a lot of people that have nowhere else to go. And yeah, he's like, Carol, you're going to regret this decision in the morning. She's just like, I don't care. I feel great about this decision. Um, And she goes home. Yeah. (laughs) So. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. She gets home. Shep is waiting for her there. And she tells him that she quit. And and then she ends up like he is continuing to refuse to go to therapy to get any kind of help. Um, And so she just says, I have to I have to end this then because she's like, I went through that pretty bad depression and like tried to hurt myself and like I just getting it together now I'm just kind of becoming whole again and she's like I can't take care of you as well if you're not willing to take care of yourself and so she gosh she just like cuts everything out of her life like work and (laughs) chef and she's just like fresh start let's do this let's do this yeah I mean go Carol Gotta do what serves you. Yeah, absolutely. You. Absolutely. Totally team Carol on this. Like, do you. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And then we have a scene kind of towards the end. Mark tells Doug that Jen's getting remarried. Mark feels pretty pathetic about just being kind of left behind. And Doug just does such a great job. He's just like, I've never liked her. <laughs> She's awful. <laughs> um, I only pretended to like her for your sake. And yeah. I'll definitely insert the clip of it. Jennifer's getting married again. Really? That was quick. No kidding. I was hoping to be the first one to get remarried, or at least living with somebody. I mean, it makes me seem kind of pathetic, don't you think? She's planning a guest list, and I'm still fumbling around with pickup lines and singles bars. Ah, uh, get you off the hook with the alimony, though. Uh, I wasn't paying any. She makes more money than I do. No, I didn't really like her. What do you mean? You acted like you did. Well, I just did that to make you feel better. I never cared for her. it's so good (laughs) and then i really like and then the kind of banter back is that doug tells mark about karen um forging the prescription and yeah um that he maybe needs to get away from her but he's like but she's really hot so maybe i won't like end things it's so weird yeah yeah yeah. and then he asked mark to list all of her positive qualities which i think is so funny (laughs) so (laughs) 
They're so crazy. I like their friendship. They're funny. I do too, yeah. And then we just end with Carter basically trying to switch to that uh, Dr. Benton's team, the blue team. And Morgan Stern has no problem with that. Uh, And then Benton left him a little present. And it's a white coat with his name and like md on it which was really sweet just like a really nice thing that benton did for him yeah i liked that a lot totally. nice and then we just end the episode with susan asking carter to help her with a patient that's coming in and she calls him dr carter it's just really sweet it is really sweet <laughs> yeah. so my question is this so is he an er doc now or is he surgical yeah it seems like he's gonna be a surgical resident right because he's on that blue yeah so i think he's a surgical resident but he'll be like in the er right because the blue team is gen surge and they stay in the er i don't know the way that they set their stuff up is super weird like (laughs) yeah it was a bit confusing and I was like, well, because we haven't even really seen him do many surgeries. So I was like, can he actually operate? Yeah. Like, is he capable? Yeah. Is he capable of this? Or are we just going to pretend that he, like, in the meantime, was actually doing tons of surgeries? Or what? <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. I guess that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess we just have to assume he's competent in surgery. <laughs> yeah. 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 He is. Okay. So season three will be Carter is. A competent surgeon. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Oh gosh. Oh my and goodness. I can't believe it's the end. That's the season end. two. Yeah. So we'll be taking a bit of a hiatus and then hopefully coming back at you with some new content. We're really excited about yes. maybe opening up to some new ideas and yeah. So hopefully you guys stick with us because it's gonna be fun. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Please stick around. Keep an eye on our social media. Um, Keep following us over the summer slash into the fall because we'll post some updates on what we're doing. And hopefully um, once things settle down in our lives in terms of work and stuff, because it's been nuts, we'll be pumping out some more funny content and things for everybody to engage with. Yeah. Yay. Well, and also thanks everybody for listening to us, you know, that's sticking around and continues to come back every week. And I guess we'll see you in season three. See you in season three, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the episode, guys. This episode is created, edited, and produced by your hosts, Melissa and Julie. Music by Chris Yemez. Photography by Ainsley Cardoso-Wagner, and photo editing by none other than your hosts, Melissa and Julie. You can find us on Instagram at erdebriefedpodcast, or now on Twitter at erdebriefed. We post updates with new content on there as much as we can. You can also email us at erdebriefed at gmail.com with comments, questions, suggestions, and more. We try to respond as quickly as possible, and we always appreciate hearing your feedback. Thanks again.